Peace and thank you, family, for tuning into Creative Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Anthony. And I'm your co-host, Indigo. We're based in Washington, D.C. with leading discussions on topics surrounding pop culture, business, lifestyle, and art with an occasional guest appearance within the creative and entrepreneurial industry. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of Creative Habits Podcast. Today we have a very, very special guest. Shina is a queer, non-binary Haitian-American artist and designer based in Greensboro, North Carolina. She is passionate about intentional art, design, and the power of imagination. A graduate of Nuova Academia di Bell Arti in Milan, Italy, they entered the art and design industry in 2015. In Milan and Miami, they work for different studios and design houses before launching their own studio, MX Design Studio in 2019, which is a creative hub where they work to produce works through a variety of mediums. From digital design to abstract painting, they are also one of the co-founders of SpringUp, an abolitionist creative collective where they work alongside their other two co-founders, Leander SR Phoenix and Stats SR Phoenix to build a community of praxis embodying consent and liberation within our relationships, creative practice, and daily lives. By utilizing fiction, art, and community education, Spring Up is popularizing skills and frameworks necessary to be free together. I absolutely love that. So um, I want to introduce my special guest. Um, please tell us a little bit about your background and what you do. And what made you want to be an artist? Excuse me. <laughs> Thank you so much for, um, yeah, um, taking the time to bring me in to um, have this conversation. Um, I'm Shina, as you just mentioned, and I am a creative and artist. Um, my background is that I've been practicing art, honestly, since I was a toddler. My dad is also an artist. Um, and so I have been really just kind of like in the art world or adjacent to it for pretty much all of my life. Um, and I was really lucky to have parents who really encouraged me to like, you know, um, seek that out throughout like my education. So I graduated high school. Um, I went to school actually in the Middle East in Abu Dhabi okay. um, and decided that I was going to go to college in Italy. And so I applied to a design school out in Milan um, and I went on to get like my BA in um uh, fashion design and graphic design. So I have a background of kind of like a little bit of everything. I paint, I, you know, I've done sculpture work. I, ha you know, work in digital design. I've done fashion. I don't do fashion anymore, but, um, you know, I've kind of like dabbled in everything kind of creative um, just because that's like, it feels like it's in my blood. <laughs> I love um, that. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that what kind of like outside of like what has driven me to be an artist in the way that I am today um, is kind of like that whole experience of being able to see what it's like to be in the art world in different capacities mm -hmm. um, and understanding that like I get to forge my own path. So I went, you know, I went to school, I studied it and I loved it. But then I realized that like the industry was like 
really not supportive to me um, mm. in the way that I needed it to be. And I took a step away from my art for many years mm. and only really like did um, like graphic design as my like job, you know, as my like means to living. Um, and I really didn't get into the heart of like my creative practice for a good amount of time because mm. it didn't feel nourishing. It didn't feel supportive. Right. Um, and within the last two years, I really found my artistry again and really found a new way to like you know dive into my creativity without having to you know can be confined by the boxes and like ways of being that all the different art industries taught me throughout mm -hmm. my life very interesting and mm -hmm. since you're a citizen of the world I just want to kind of pick your brain a little bit yeah, what was it sure. like for you just experiencing different spaces um, as far as going from Abu Dhabi for school, as well as going to Milan and then having a Haitian American background? What was that like for you just um, being in those different spaces? Was it um, a chance for you to be adaptable very easily or it took some time? Just take us a little bit on that journey to share yeah. what that was like. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that starting off with just like being born in Miami um, to Haitian parents, mm -hmm. I think that that already gave me like a different perspective to like a lot of my peers, you know, as I was growing up, because um, it was very different from a lot of the people that were like within my community and like schools. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like I already had this idea of like what it meant to understand different cultures. And that was something that my parents and my family were really about, you know, like you have to learn other cultures, respect mm -hmm. them, understand what other people's belief systems are, what their, you know, different practices are. Um, and so even before moving to Abu Dhabi as a teen, I had already been like traveling um, mm -hmm. to different countries, um, all over the world. And so, yeah, I really was just privileged to be exposed to that. Um, so by the time I did move out of the U.S., um, I was 14 years old. Mm. I definitely didn't want to go. <laughs> but once I got there, I really did adapt really well. Um, I didn't think that I would because even though I've traveled a lot, it was never like a place that I was going to live. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so that that took it to a whole new level. Um, but living in the Middle East really like opened up my eyes to a whole new set of cultures that I hadn't, you know, been exposed to before. Um, and I think that that's also one of the like things that has made me like so open as a person as well as like a creative because it it really like instilled this almost like um, what's the word I'm looking for? just like curiosity mm. about the way in which other people's cultures, you know, right. like work, what do they love to do? How do they eat? I'm like, so about trying food from like all different places. That's like mm -hmm. one of the biggest things, you know, um, to kind of like introduce myself into new cultures. And that's the main reason, like being able to like open myself up in that way is the main reason why I found myself deciding that I wanted to go to college um, outside of the U.S. Because right. after I graduated high school, my parents moved back to Miami. Okay. Um, and I decided, I was like, you know what? I just want to like experience more things. I want to be in a new space, learn a new language, um, you know, see 
the world from a different perspective on my own this time. Mm -hmm. And that's what made me, you know, move to Milan. And it was a really incredible experience, something I would never take back for the world, but it was also really difficult. Um, Mm. It was, yeah, it was uh, a beautiful place, but also I experienced a new version of racism I've never experienced before. You know, I experienced new prejudices that, you know, I didn't know really existed. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that was like something that also really played a role into like shaping who I am Mm. because I was able to understand not only like different cultures and respect them, but also learn about, you know, different prejudices from these different cultures and what that means as like a black queer person, you know, figuring themselves out as like at a very young age. Um, So yeah, that's kind of like my journey, but it's also just really fueled me to be like very interested in continuing to like learn more and explore yeah. more. And Absolutely. I'm kind of always on the move. <laughs> I I find it fascinating because um I haven't been to Italy myself, but I've heard so many stories of my peers saying, you know, that they've experienced so many things, but it's so different from, you know, the blatant racism that we experience here. It's a, just a different form of it. So um, it's quite interesting to hear that you kind of recognize those things and were able to figure out how to navigate through that space. I'm so curious to know what kind of art you make, um, just as far as your personal voice, what comes through you and has any of those experiences that you um, witnessed or kind of were surrounded by during your, your experiences in Italy or anywhere has influenced your work? Yeah, definitely. I think that um, my work is very personal. So all of my experiences, I feel like, are directly like through my paintings. So right now, I mostly have been working on um, abstract uh, paintings. I work in acrylic, on um, paper, on canvas, on a bunch of different things. Um, And I have experience in working in a variety of mediums. But right now, my like focus is specifically in abstract expressionism. Um, And the reason why I chose that, especially after kind of like taking a step back from art for a while was I realized that even though I love to create art and it's something that I was told all my life that I'm like very good at, um, I was really good at creating things that are traditionally beautiful, you know, the things I'm very good at realism paintings, you know, I can do a portrait in no time. Um, But they were never really um, pieces that like, really meant something to me. Um, And that's the reason why I took such a step back was I realized that I was, I was doing it for my school, I was doing it for, you know, like my work, I wasn't really doing it for myself. And so the work that I create right now is highly personal. It's something that I am no longer looking to like outside validation for. (laughs) Um, And it really is like based in this idea of like internal work. So Mm -hmm. I do a lot of um, like intuitive paintings that come directly from like doing um, like meditations around Uh, shadow work. Um, I do also like ancestral work Mm -hmm. and I take those moments and I use it as a really a spiritual meditative practice to just allow myself to put the paint down 
in the way that feels right for me at that moment. Right. And, um, you know, the ways in which I do that is really to just kind of like say, you know, I don't care about the ways that I've been taught how to do art. Um, I'm going to create art because I just want it to exist. I want to get out the things that I am feeling, the experiences that I've had, the things that I'm going through and put them onto paper and put them onto canvas. Um, And I feel like the moment that I do that, I convey the energy in a way that I can never do with words. Yeah. Um, And, you know, that really opens a door to conversations around what does it mean to create art? You know, what does it mean to actually like create a new language for yourself, you know, to express your visions, to Mm -hmm. express, you know, um, ancestral healing and bring people into that experience and have them interpret it in the way that feels the right for them. Mm -hmm. So it's personal to me, but it's also something that I feel like I want to share with other people because I feel like they're going to interpret it in a new way. They're going to see the ways in which I moved the brush and the colors that I chose and areas that was really rough and the areas that were really smooth. And that's going to hit them in a, in a way that is very personal to them. Um, And so that is really like, it's all to me, it's really about like resistance, resistance to the ways of being in which have been like, prescribed to me Mm -hmm. Um, it took me a long time to like find myself and find my own voice as like a person um, to understand that like you know I am queer to you know understand that I am non-binary like all of those things what does that mean to me Um, and for the first time I'm able to put that out in a way that I never knew how to before because I'm I'm not really great with expressing my feelings in my words. Um, I can talk a lot. I talk a lot. <laughs> you know, I can go on forever. But um, that was something that was really difficult for me. And mm-hmm. I felt like for the first time, you know, just deciding to create something just for the sake of creating, I was able to really, you know, put my emotions on, you know, a canvas and that felt really special to me and so I started kind of like at the beginning of the pandemic um you know going inward mm-hmm. and now it's kind of just like taken off and I'm really just like dedicated to continuing this practice in this way that was beautiful because I also feel like when work comes from the heart people feel it you know um yeah. it resonated with me so much when you were sharing about just having those like thoughts about trying to stem away from, you know, the institutional education. I also went to art school, so I understand where it's like you you think your expectation of being an artist is to create, you know, the best, you know, I guess figurative painting that's, you know, yeah. <laughs> the best. But I do feel like like we have feel good music and the Bob Marleys that don't have a voice like Patti LaBelle. But they still, you could still feel, mm-hmm. you know, their spirit coming through or whatever is coming through that's taking them to that place. So I can totally agree with, you know, being able to find your voice and being okay with it coming out different yeah. from how other people express themselves. Because, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, um, but I wanted to move on to, to ask a few questions about your graphic design side of your Mm -hmm. artistry. Um, How did that show up? Did you feel like it was almost 
maybe like a plan B or job security? Or was that something that's also an interest? So I, um, when I first like enrolled in college, I thought that I was going to like study fashion design. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be a fashion designer. (laughs) That's what I want to do. And after my first year, I was like, "Mm, I'm not sure I like this that much, Mm -hmm. but I want to kind of like keep going because it was still something that was like interesting to me. But I added on a graphic design major because Mm -hmm. I was like, you know, I started like I took one like digital uh, graphics class in my first year. And I was like, oh, I really like this. I like, you know, I've never really done like digital work like this before. Um, And so it was something that I was very interested in, but I never thought that it would like become, you know, part of my career Um, up until after I graduated. And when I came back to the U.S. and kind of like looking for jobs, um, that was the one thing that was like, most easily accessible for me in terms of like, you know, how do you like find a job um, in the fashion industry Mm -hmm. straight out of college without, you know, working retail? Um, It's very difficult, you know? And so, yeah, it definitely was something that ended up feeling like a plan B. Um, And through the first like years of me doing it, I really like found my groove and I was like, yeah, like I got this. I really enjoy this. Um, but I ended up working with a bunch of companies that just kind of like really crushed my creative spirit. Um, and I was to the point where I was like, I hate graphic design. I never want to do this again. Um, and then I had like a whole really deep conversation with my partner about it. And they're like, no, you actually love this. You just hate the people you work for. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't like the work that you're creating right now because it doesn't like reflect the things that interest you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I started doing some like freelance work with, you know, um, folks that I was like more aligned with. And then I finally stepped away from my last job and was like, I'm starting my own studio. And that was the way in which I was able to kind of like use graphic design in a way that like felt good to me. Um, Through that journey, the first few years, it was good until the clients weren't. (laughs) And then I realized that it, the moment that I'm like working with a client that either doesn't feel aligned or um, makes me feel like less than, which I unfortunately have run into more times than I would like to admit. um, That's when I realized that like, I have to find something that like works for me. And it was a really tough uh, like road because saying no to money, <laughs> you know, in in this like capitalist society is a, is really tough. Um, but I like decided to like go that route in like saying mm-hmm. no. Um, and throughout that whole time, I had been um, working with two of my really close friends, and we founded Spring Up, which is the collective um, that I like. You know, do most of my work with now, mm-hmm. and I started doing graphic design with them to kind of like build this as a brand. Right, and that's when I realized that I was like, okay, if I lean into this, I can continue to like do this digital work that I love mm-hmm. um, in a way that feels like good to me. So, as of actually two months ago, I have decided to stop taking personal clients on um, my, you know, design studio and I'm only doing graphic design work for Spring Up. So that's like my journey with with graphic design. 
Wonderful. And I just want to quick, can we just talk about that? Because (laughs) I just recently had an experience um, with commissions and I've decided moving forward, I'm not going to take any personal commissions anymore. And, um, you know, love my previous clients briefly, but it, I don't know what it is when you become a creative, but I think that there's no barrier with who you are as a person. And I think people forget that it's a business and not just something else. I don't know what, but (laughs) um, I love how you were saying that it's okay to choose yourself rather than to choose the client, because sometimes you don't get the best clients. And Mm -hmm. I do want to share for our listeners um, that it's okay to say no And it's never okay to put yourself last (laughs) out of anything because it it doesn't work out. And I guess recommending contracts as well that state Mm -hmm. that, you know, you cannot work with a person if things do not align. (laughs) So I'm I'm very glad that you brought that up because I do do know that it's important for us to to have discussions as well for listeners that may not know that it's okay to say no. (laughs) So creative, you don't have to do things out of urgency all the time for money. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. A (laughs) hundred percent. I feel like it took me definitely a while to Mm -hmm. get to that point where I felt like it's okay to say no. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially when, you know, you're doing this to survive. You're trying to just make your means, you know, you Mm -hmm. have to have a certain amount of money to make sure that you can live the way that, you know, is supportive to you. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that one thing that I really learned is the moment that you start saying no, to those things and start saying yes to yourself, you will see that the things that align will come through. They really do. And in a way that, you know, you just have to align yourself with that. And it's, it really is okay to say no, because as a creative, especially if you continue to say yes, it really like crushes that like creative part of your spirit in Mm -hmm. a way that, you know, slowly, but surely you might not realize it, Um, but then you start to like, at least for me, I started to hate my work and like, Mm -hmm. I know that I actually love what I do. Um, and so I don't want anybody to come in and make me hate the things that I love. Exactly. For me, it was questioning my worth as an artist. That's how far it took for me, or even just feeling like I was being patronized and I know what I'm Mm -hmm. doing, but it's like, sometimes people think because you're an artist, you don't have a level of expertise that other fields have. And that's just, that's inaccurate. Yeah. Yeah. So I would love to learn more about Spring Up as well as MX Design Studio, if you'd love to share. Yeah, definitely. Um, A little bit about um, MX Design Studio, um, since it's kind of like shifting right now (laughs) as I'm like moving into the new year. Um, It is really a hub for all of my creative pursuits. I, you know, because digital design is like so different from like the abstract painting that Mm -hmm. I'm doing. And I'm really interested in like pushing my boundaries in like abstract work, um, as well as like, you know, um, the graphic design work that I'm doing. And so at first it was a place for me to kind of be able to take on personal graphic design clients um, on my own terms. Um, and, you know, slowly but surely, like through that process, I realized what it was that I really did want. Um, and so right now, 
it is a place to really just like house all of the things creative that I'm doing. Um, so it's a place for me to show off my paintings, show off my work, mm. uh, you know, uh, uplift the different um, creative projects that I'm doing. I'm, you know, like right now I'm actually working with um, a team that's putting together a show in Raleigh. Um, that's like, you know, uplifting other artists. And so I think it's just a place for me to kind of like put all of those things in a container. Right. So um, like a company, pretty much yeah. everything that just encompasses you, everything exactly. creative. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and it also like legally is my LLC. So mm. that's how I like do business with right. other like, um, pl- you know, places and contract. It makes it a lot easier for me. And mm-hmm. so that really is um what MX Design Studio is. And the reason why I like named it um, the MX or like mix, um, Mm -hmm. like the prefix was because I was really looking for a place to show that like, I am like embodying non-binary, not Mm -hmm. as like a personal identity, but non-binary as like a practice in our life. Like everything in our life is non-binary. You know, nothing is black and white. Nothing mm-hmm. is, you know, right and wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the way that I feel about my creative practice. You know, um, nothing is this or that. It's everything and mm-hmm. everything in between, you know. And so I do so many different things and I wanted a place to just like bring that all together. Um, and so Spring Up is the collective that I co-founded with two of my really great friends, um, one of which I've known since we were three years old, um, is an abolitionist creative collective. And what we do is we really like lean into storytelling, um, art, and um, we have a platform called Blue Light Academy of the Liberatory Arts, where we um, we host different uh, courses throughout mm-hmm. the year. Um, right now, we're like promoting for our spring courses and we do transformative justice education, um, consent and gender based violence uh, education, as well as liberatory education. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these are really all um practices that uh have been like throughout our lives and um my like two friends Stas and Lee have been really working on creating this curriculum over the last 10 years um and we are in our I think this is going to be our third year doing running these courses and we've had like over 600 um like wow uh, yeah, as students who have joined us through these courses, um, we also create zines um, and like we have educational workbooks that kind of like go alongside um, these like topics. But we also create um, like uh, art filled zines. So one of the most recent ones that we uh, released is called Resilience and Revitalization. Mm-hmm. And it's a collection of um, like poetry, healing tools, um different like practices from 25, uh, 25 plus actually, uh, contributors who are mostly um, queer and trans youth, Mm -hmm. um, who are all just kind of explaining what it feels like, what would liberation feel like to them? How does it feel to be free within their own lives? And so one of the things that we are really passionate about is 
um, cultivating this culture of consent and liberation for all and finding a way in which we can be free together Mm -hmm. in this time and place. Um, Because I know that we have so much work to do in terms of, you know, liberation for all of our peoples, but um, we can live freely now. Um, and so we can do that within community with the, with each other. Um, and so our biggest thing is really building community and we use art and storytelling um, and education to kind of like uplift those things. I love that. And I also love that our generation is very vocal in mm-hmm. terms of if we don't have a seat at a table, we'll make one. And that's absolutely wonderful. I do want to make sure that before, before we conclude the episode that we provide resources um, from, oh, sorry, it was telling me 10 minutes, but I'll cut that out of the podcast. Um, So I would love to share Spring Up's information for anyone that's interested in courses, whatever resources you'll be offering in the future. Would it be something that's in person or virtual? Um, All the things that we do is virtual. Um, So we're a virtual collective Mm. um, and our entire collective is based all over the country. So um, yeah, everything we do is virtual. So we are coming up to um, pretty much the end of the interview, but I did want to ask if you have any gems that you would like to share with our listeners, just in terms of anyone that um, kind of needs to hear some sort of advice. What kind of advice would you give to artists? that are listening on the podcast? Yeah, I think that the first thing that I will say is if you feel like you're an artist, you're an artist. Mm -hmm. You don't need validation from anyone else. I know it took me a long time to (laughs) like learn that even going to art school and being in the art world for so long. If you feel like an artist, you're an artist. If you create art, you're an artist. Um, And I want to just uplift what we were talking about earlier to just like, it's okay to say no to Mm -hmm. other people and say yes to yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, That's at the heart of everything creative because you have to say yes to yourself first to be able to, you know, dive deep into the things that makes you feel embodied, supported, you know, um, that makes you feel special. And I know that as an artist, what you create is what makes you feel special. And I think that I really just want to like, say that to whoever is listening, you know, your art matters. It doesn't matter if you never share it with anyone. Um, Because I think that as artists through, you know, the way the industry kind of like shows us what it's like to, you know, be at Art Basel and sell a piece for millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. It's important because you made it. It's important because it exists, even if that's only for you. Beautiful. So quickly, um, I did, we have um, a little game that we play or a little questionnaire. Um, mm-hmm. So this one will be get to know them. We would love to learn a little bit more about um, you as a person outside of your creative craft. So what would be your favorite country that you ever traveled to? My favorite country? Wow, that's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have to say Costa Rica. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. And why Costa Rica? Um, it was just probably the one place that I felt like the most at ease, like of all the places that I've been. Um, yeah. And I just love like rainforest mm-hmm. uh, kind of like environment. And so to be among like the trees and like see the like 
rain come down. That was something that just like felt so nourishing to me. You mentioned food. Uh, what is your favorite food or what is your favorite place to eat? Oof. Um, that's also <laughs> really difficult because I love food. Um, I would have to say that it's a big tie between um, sushi mm. and like Korean barbecue. Mm. Um, those are very two very different things. But like I love to go to a Korean barbecue. I love to be able to like do the little, you know, cooktop. Um, and to like have all of those like spicy, sour flavors. Um, but I also love the like freshness of sushi and I'm like super into Japanese food. So yeah. Nice. Um, what is the hardest part about being you? The hardest part about being me? (laughs) Jeez. Um, my own inner critic. I think that that's the hardest part about being me because I am so dedicated, especially now with everything that I've been through in my life to lean into the things that are like important to me and Mm -hmm. to really uplift who I am as a person. Um, But my inner critic is not nice. Yeah. (laughs) And so it's definitely really hard to combat that and um, actually like lean into the things that are you know, important to me without feeling bad for them. Mm -hmm. I encourage you to work on it, but also give yourself grace because as humans, we have feelings Mm -hmm. (laughs) and every feeling is, you know, acknowledgeable. We can acknowledge them. Um, So final question. Are you a pancake or waffle kind of person? (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is hilarious because my, (laughs) my wife makes uh, like, pancakes or waffles every weekend and we like fight on this all the time (laughs) I am a pancake person I do love waffles and I will have them every other week yeah just for her but I am a big pancake person (laughs) love it well Shina thank you so much for being on this episode I know that you have shared so many gems with us and before we conclude as I promised please share all of the resources that you have your social media so we can follow your journey Yeah, definitely. Um, You can follow me on Instagram at mx.shina. That's S-H-A-I-N-A. My website is mxdesign.studio. And then for Spring Up, our website is timetospringup.org. And our um, education platform where you can find all of our courses is bluelight.academy. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. And we hope to see all of the wonderful things that you're doing. Thank you. (laughs) Take care.